0: Hello, goal achievers and members of the Miracle Morning community, friends, family, fellow human spiritual beings, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. I'm excited for today, really excited. This is, was a treat. I just finished up the conversation you're about to hear with John Assaraf, and I have been a fan of John's for, I think, about 13 years. I think it was around 2007 that I saw him on Oprah. That's actually how I discovered John. He was in the movie The Secret. I watched The Secret, which... Over 500 million people around the world have watched The Secret now. And so that kind of took John on a new journey, which you'll hear about, today. That was one of the first things I dove into. I'm like, who were you? You know, I had never heard of you when The Secret started, when I found that movie, and then I then you were everywhere. You know, how did that get started? How did that happen? So, you hear that's kind of a cool story, how John found his way into this movie that then got him on Oprah, and so on and so forth. Now, if you're not familiar with his work, uh, John Astraff is one of the leading mindset and behavioral experts in the world, and he's appeared numerous times on not only Oprah, but Larry King Live, Anderson Cooper, and The Ellen DeGeneres Show. And John's written New York Times bestselling books that have been translated into 35 languages. And he has been featured in 10 movies, including the one I just mentioned, The Secret, as well as Quest for Success with Richard Branson and the Dalai Lama. And today he's the founder of Neurogym, which helps individuals strengthen their mindset and emotional resiliency so they achieve their goals faster and easier than ever before. And right up your alley in terms of the listeners of the Achieve Your Goals podcast, Today, what John talks about is profound. He really digs deep into the neuroscience in terms of what's causing your thoughts that's then causing your behavior that's then creating your results. And rather than focusing on the outcomes, the results or the behaviors, how we need to really go to the root of what's actually causing everything that we're seeing in our lives. So, this was one of my favorite, literally, not blowing smoke, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. And before you hear John, I just want to thank our sponsor today, which is Organifi. Organifi makes high quality, whole food, organic Supplements. So, like green juices, that's actually their most popular is their green juice powder. And they've got a vanilla protein powder that I put in my smoothies every single day. They've also got a collagen builder that I put in my smoothies every single day. It's called Glow. They've got an immunity, all sorts of great products. And you can go check them out at organifi.com forward slash Hal. That's O R G A N I F I. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash HAL. And just make sure that you use the code HAL at checkout, H-A-L, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. So I love their products. I've taken them for years and I hope you find there something there that you absolutely love. And without further ado, one of my favorite episodes of all time. Here you go. The one and only John Astraff. John Astraf. How goes it, my friend?
1: It's great, Hal. How you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We were just talking and I was about to tell you that I discovered you. I first saw you in the movie The Secret, as I, millions and millions of people did. I thought that was a good place to start, so we hit record. I want to go back to that time. Before The Secret, I had never heard of John Asraf, And so I want to know, what were you
1: doing when The Secret came into your life? Was that 2007, by the way? Right around 2007, 2008, yeah. And um, at the time... I had just retired for a few years and I'd just written one of my, my first book, it was called Having It All and it became a New York Times bestseller and in the book, I actually shared the story of um, not just always having, you know, goals written down and the strategies of how I was going to achieve them, but I I shared the story in the book how I used to create these uh, vision boards or dream boards. Uh, to be able to look at the pictures of the goals, the uh, things I want to do, have, be, or give uh, in my home office, on my wall, across from my desk, and every day I would I would sit there and I would read my goals and I'd read the affirmations and I'd close my eyes and I would you know uh, believe as much as I could and feel as much as I could that those things were real, even though in the back of my head, there were voices a lot of times that goes bullshit that's not true yeah, <laughs> you're not sure. earning that amount of money you're not living in that kind of home and you know i learned how to let those voices go the little inner critic through some of the you know trainings that i had in personal development as a student and then i would look at the vision board and I would walk through the houses or I would see myself in that first-class seat or I would see the charitable contributions that I was going to be able to make as a result of the money that I was giving. And I just got into this routine, right? You know, you know you've got your miracle morning. I had my, my daily rituals. I'm getting into this routine of seeing, reading, feeling, emotionalizing those things as being real. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, several years later, I think three years later, I got a call out of the blue from Rhonda Byrne. She said, and she's Australian. So in her Australian accent, you know, she's like, hello, John. You know, and that's probably British, but she said, <laughs> um, I read your story in the, in, in your, in your book, Having It All. And, uh, uh, I'm doing this, uh, movie about the, the law of attraction. And obviously, you know, since you ended up buying your dream home and living in it, I want to talk to you about that. And so what most people don't know is that entire movie was made you know, in a hotel room, basically, where I was actually going to be at a meeting uh, with a whole bunch of people that ended up being in the movie. I was part of the Transformation Leadership Council. Uh, with my friend Jack Canfield and Bob Proctor and and a whole bunch of other people. We were getting together and asking for a meeting, just a mastermind, to share what's working, what's not, and to, to inspire each other. Yeah. And uh, she says, oh, you're going to be at that meeting? Great. Well, I'll film you there. And basically, I walked into a hotel room in a chair with a green screen behind me. She asked me a bunch of questions. I shared this story. Story makes it into the movie. And all of a sudden, you know, 500 million people <laughs> see the movie over the next, you know, seven, eight years. And um, it took me from, I was retired at the time, um, and and um, took me from being retired to having a lot of people ask me about setting goals and achieving goals and what works and what doesn't work. And I've been fascinated for 40 years uh, around quantum physics and neuroscience and trying to understand the. Physical world and the non-physical world, and um, and using whatever I learned to make my life better and the life of my family and friends and employees at the time. Uh, and then I started teaching the stuff uh, that I've learned, and I haven't stopped for the last you know 25 years or so.
0: That's incredible. So I mean, when you got asked to be in the movie, I don't even know if Rhonda had any idea, right? Nobody had any idea how big this thing was going to get, right?
1: Nobody had any idea. We didn't know what the budget for it was. Nobody had a contract saying you're going to get. X percent of, I mean, listen, I wish we would have gotten like a buck, you know, for each movie that was, I wish, Um, (laughs) but that wasn't the way it was. We were all just wanting to help others. We were all wanting to give people, here's some things that we've discovered. Here's some stuff that's worked in our lives. Here's how we overcome tragedy and trauma. And here's how we, we became more so we can have more and give more. And, um, uh, and, uh, so it was, it was a labor of love for her. Yeah. It was a labor of love for us and none of us. And I mean, nobody saw what she saw in her head when she was putting us all together. She was like a master of putting talent together and then telling a story hmm. in a way that captured people's imagination. And I love the movie, The Secret, but I also think that it set a lot of people off on the wrong track. And yeah. we can talk about
0: that. Yeah, and that, that's a great next place to go because I, uh, you know, I felt the same way. I loved the film. It was very inspiring, but I felt like it left the other half of the equation off, right? It was like kind of the you know, visualize it, imagine it, see it. And then it kind of left it like, and then just sit back and magically let everything go, yeah. you know, happen. And a perfect segue, I'd love to talk about vision boards because one of the practices of The Miracle Morning is visualization. And, you know, I talk about vision boards as an example, but I talk about how they often become invisible boards, right? Where they just, they become like background noise on the wall. You walk by it, you stop looking at it, right? And I think they've gotten a lot of criticism for that reason. But I do, I have one, I, you know, I look at it, I believe in it, I understand it, how to use it. But I want to ask you, where did the secret fall short? And even if you can tie in, where do vision boards fall short? And then how, what's the answer, right? Right. What do we need to do to achieve our goals? And how do we use vision boards as a tool that will aid us in that pursuit?
1: Sure. So the secret, right? The law of attraction. uh, Many people, you know, don't look at the word attraction deeply enough to realize that the last six letters of attraction Mm -hmm. is action. Yeah. And so I learned when I was in my early 20s, that in addition to the law of attraction, you have to apply the law of Goya, G-O-Y-A. And very few people are taught what that is or how to use it. And the law of Goya is the get-off-your-ass law and <laughs> do the right things in the right order at the right time. So if we want to you know, say that there's magic in believing, okay. There's magic in feeling, okay. But there's also magic in doing the right things, And if it's true that we are living in this quantum field of intelligence, right, and we are nothing more than 100 trillion cells that are vibrating and oscillating at the level of our thoughts or emotions or behaviors or the combination, and that that is somehow having an effect on the invisible world, not the visible world, but the invisible world, the question then becomes is if this world of ours is nothing more than vibrating packets of energy that we call is quanta, which we know is what it is. Uh, and if quantum physicists are accurate in their hypothesis, hypotheses that everything is vibrating, uh, nothing is at rest, is it possible, if we use the analogy of music, right, that when you get the piano and the strings and the vocals in sync, in harmony, in coherence, we have resonance. We have this attractive force that the collective combination of things being in resonance, vibrating at that frequency, is beautiful and people resonate with it. And if we're out of coherence, it doesn't feel right, doesn't sound right. So if that is the case and Tesla was right, which I believe he was, and we start to understand that if I can get my thoughts and my emotions and my feelings and my sensations and my behaviors aligned, I could then be in harmony with everything that I want to achieve. So let's step back for a moment, talk about visualization and vision boards. So um, right over here in my Exceptional Life Blueprint, I have... All of my life's goals and dreams, my guiding principles, my outer mission, my inner mission, my AM rituals, my contribution to charity, the business goals, the relationship goals that I want to achieve. And I create images for, you know, my family and stuff that already is in my life that I've already achieved, already have, already do, already am being. And I have other stuff, you know, that I'm aspiring towards, like flying in a MIG and seeing. You know, the earth from the moon. This is on my big vision board as well. And I have either stuff that I'm doing now or stuff that I already have to reinforce the resonance that I have had to have in order to have what I have. Is it possible that when I take a picture of something that I want to achieve, do, be, have, or experience, is it possible? That in doing that, I'm activating the motivational circuit in my brain, which is connected to the motor cortex of my brain, which is connected to the occipital lobe, the biggest part of my brain, that if I see it and feel it and move towards achieving it every day, is it possible that I can create deliberately a pattern that goes from initially consciously choosing and wanting something to a subconscious pattern? that I am priming my brain and giving it the instruction to help me move towards that, not only is it possible, but that's exactly what happens from a neurological and biological perspective. So all the work that I do around my blueprint is I'm cognitively priming my brain every single day by looking at it. I'm cognitively priming my brain by recording it and listening to it. I'm cognitively priming my brain around the beliefs that I need to have in order to achieve it. I'm cognitively making decisions every day of how can I achieve this, have this, be this, feel this, or move away from certain things. So what well, we've discovered how around the neuroscience of performance and the neuroscience of behavior is that we have circuits and networks in our brains that turn on or off based on either external cues and stimuli or what's actually happening in our brain around our thoughts and how we think about our thoughts, which are two different things. So I take the idea of electrical activity that gives spark to every cell in my body or the hormones that are released in my bloodstream as a result of positively thinking about something or being in a state of fear very seriously as it relates to am I in harmony with what I want to achieve or in chaos? Am I in coherence or not? So that is how I see the law of attraction. Law of attraction is all about coherence or not versus this attractive force that works like magic, which I don't believe. I mean, it works like magic when you are in harmony. And it works, you know, like uh, the devil when you're not.
0: Hmm. Lots of back there. Lots back. That's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know about you listening, but I'm going to go back and re-listen to that and take some notes and Google some words, right? So, um, <laughs> but uh, you mentioned in that, that if I heard you right, you said something about that there's our thoughts and then how we think about our thoughts. And those are two different things. I want you to unpack that because there may be nothing more determining in terms of how people think and live and experience life than obeying their thoughts, right? What we think, we tend to think, well, if I'm thinking these negative thoughts, then I'm having a negative experience and, versus observing the thoughts and creating that separation between I would, what I would call consciousness and thoughts, right? And mind. So talk about that. What's the difference that you're talking about between thoughts and how we think about our thoughts and how is that relevant to
1: us? Sure. So um, the way I think about thoughts is we have trillions and trillions of neural connections in our brain. And those neural connections are firing off uh, ideas, sequences, patterns that are being uh, called upon because of the cues that's coming in from the external world, whether it's something we smell, see, hear, taste, etc., um, uh, or something that, you know, percolates up from the effervescent part of our memory bank, right? So we have these random thoughts all day long, 30, 40, 50,000 of them. Some are positive, some are negative, some are empowering us, some are the little gremlin called our inner critic, some is the, you know, Einstein imagination side of our brain that can say, I want this, I can achieve this, this is amazing, you know, we can do this. And, and then those are just random thoughts. Now, what if I just stopped and I took a thought that percolated up in my mind. I said, what am I thinking about right now? And so if I said, well, I'm thinking about this vision and this goal, and I said, well, why do I want to achieve that? That's thinking, right? How can I achieve that? That's thinking. Who can help me achieve that? What book, what coach, what strategy, what tactic do I need to implement to achieve that goal? What could hold me back? Well, my fears could hold me back. Well, what could I do about those? My limiting beliefs could hold me back. Well, what are limiting beliefs? Where did they come from? Can I deactivate them? Can I start new ones? Well, what if I feel like I want the goal? I'm not afraid of the goal. I believe that I can achieve it, but I really don't know if I deserve it. So where does my self-image come from? So whenever we have a thought, you're 100% correct, is don't get caught up in your thought because you're not your thoughts. Don't get caught up in your emotions because you're not your emotions. Your emotions are triggered in your subconscious mind to give rise to feelings that you can be aware of. And if you don't like them, okay, that's like saying, I don't like the apple at the end of the tree, at the end of the branch. If you don't like the apple, change the seed. So don't get mad at thoughts. Don't get mad at emotions. Don't get mad at feelings or sensations. You can Inner size, which is what I like to, to teach, you can inner size your brain to be able to be in an observation mode. So then you could be deliberately choosing what you want to do, how you want to feel. So thoughts are random, thinking is deliberate. And most people are afraid of thinking, or they haven't been taught to think in ways that doesn't put them down. So whenever we get into wanting to expand our awareness, right? Our awareness is what gives us choice, choice is what gives us freedom. And so if we really want to personally develop or self-develop ourselves, then what if we said, I'm gonna observe my patterns, my thought patterns, my emotional patterns, my behavioral patterns, which causes me to behave or not take action, which is what causes my results. Right? So I'm not going to get mad at my results. I'm not going to get mad at my behaviors. I'm going to observe the cause of behaviors. Mm. And then I'm going to go to higher particle functions and say, okay, how do I change a belief system that's holding me back? In 2020, we know all of the how-to. Unless you're trying to colonize Mars right now, you really don't need to be innovative. So if you are serious about developing the beliefs, the habits, the behaviors that need to be lined up with the results that you want, all the how-to already exists. So the how-to is not your problem. It's everything else that's preventing you from actually taking inspired action. And that's why I go so deep into the neuroscience and neuropsychology is to understand what really prevents people from achieving the goals that we know are achievable today. So whether it's lose weight and keep it off, um, leave a relationship you're not happy in and find one that you're really happy with. Um starting your business, becoming a coach, leaving a job you don't like. These are all things that people do every day, but the average person is so afraid of the change, they prefer to master disappointment instead of learning how to master change. Hmm. And so we know what change is in the brain. We know the circuits that turn on and off. We know that we can get better at change when we exercise, just like we can get healthier when we exercise. So that's, that's where I love to play in going a little bit deeper than the surface and saying, okay, what do you want to achieve? Great. Why do you want to achieve it? Great. How are you going to achieve it? When are you going to achieve it? By... What do you need to shift in order to be able to make the process effort less? not effortless, but effort less and stress less. And in order to be effortless and stress less, you have to know how to create coherence between your thoughts, your emotions and your behaviors. And when you get that in harmony, now. It's like solving a Rubik's Cube because you've learned the algorithm versus randomly trying to solve the Rubik's Cube. And whether it's a two by two or three by three or 10 by 10, the algorithm for solving it already exists. Beautiful.
0: Now, so this, what you're talking about, I mean, you're looking at the root, right? What's the cause of the thought that causes the behavior that generates the result, right? And then let's deal with it at the root level.
1: Um, So you're- Cause versus effect.
0: Yeah. You mentioned inner size, which is a term that you coined. That's your, I think it's your most recent book, right? 2018? 2019. Uh, When's the next book coming out? There's a question for you.
1: Uh, My 60th birthday is the um, September of next year. And so I have um, the formulation of the second half is what it's going to be called. How to make the second half of your life, the best half of your life.
0: Nice. That's fantastic. Awesome. All right. I'll get that from my mom and dad for sure. I'm actually, I'm going to need it soon. They needed it a while ago. I'm gonna need it soon. So it's right in the middle. And then talk for a few minutes about Neurogym. Neurogym is the company that you run. You founded it, I don't know, a handful of years ago. I've just watched you online, talked about what that is and what it does. It sounds very similar to what everything you're talking about.
1: Yeah. So um, myneurogym.com is, is, our, is our website. The company's called Neurogym. And so over the last 40 years, I've been, you know, I got into uh, real estate when I was 19, started my own real estate company when I was 26 called Remax of Indiana, um, built a uh, 85 office, 1200 person company, that was doing four and a half billion a year in sales, retired, did another company. And all the while, not only was I developing myself, but I was teaching my, my agents and my employees how to win the inner game. And it quickly dawned on me that most people were trying to win the outer game of behavior versus the inner game that drives behavior. Mm. And and so in the 70s Jack LeLane came up with exercise basically for the 60s and 70s, you know, to strengthen your physical muscles and your your organs. And I realized that from the time I was 19, for the last 40 years, I'm 59 now, For the last 40 years, I have been inner-sizing every day. I review my goals every day, I read my affirmations, I listen to them, I mentally contrast out of obstacles into success. Uh, I use every method that science has proven helps us strengthen our core neural muscles. And so when I wanted to get into personal development at a deeper level, I asked myself, you know, how do I give people the little hinge that swings the big door? So whenever I ask people, you know, do you believe that mindset is what separates the best from the rest? Everybody says, yes. I go, great. What do you do every day to strengthen your mindset? Hmm. Uh, Nothing. Do you believe that exercise is good for your health? Yes. What do you do every day to exercise? And most people, it's not, they don't have a routine. And so when I looked at my success and my failures, and I looked at how I've helped, My employees, my children, uh, my friends, and my my followers around around the years, the ones that inner-size plus do the right things, right? the mindset plus the skill set plus the action set, the ones that follow that pattern achieve success so much faster and easier than everybody else. But if you have any mental or emotional obstacles that are preventing you from taking inspired action, it can only be one of four things. It's not 50 different things. It's one of four things that actually puts the brakes on our motivational circuit. There's only one of four things. So if I give you the blueprint for success... Right? And I tell you, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three, here's step four, here's step five. I'm gonna hand it to you. 95% of people will not follow through to completion. So the question is, why? Well, like, why won't you do what you should do that's gonna get you the result that you want? And the answer is because of what's happening in their brain. Hmm. So the reason I started NeuroGym is to give people the inner sizes to actually repattern, rescript, and reshape their subconscious patterns, which is what's actually driving their perspectives and behaviors. So when we, you know, when we, you know, do a simple exercise, for example, uh, which I call is take six, calm the circuits, right? Take six, calm the circuits is a very simple exercise you can do, you know, every 30 minutes or every 60 minutes to deactivate the stress circuit, which is the, A circuit of reactivity and automatic habits versus the circuit of calmness so you can respond to the stimuli in the moment and the awareness in the moment. So when somebody takes six deep breaths as slowly as they can in through their nose and then out through their mouth like they're breathing out through a straw... We can actually see in an fMRI brain scan imaging uh, machine that blood flow moves away from the stress centers and repopulates what I call the Einstein part of the brain, that left prefrontal cortex, which is the executive functioning part of the brain. So when we deactivate stress and reactive centers and we activate calm and responsive centers, now we recalibrate that motor cortex, which can cause us to take action. Now we can use our imagination and our deductive reasoning to override our instinctual automatic self neural circuits, which is called the default mode network. So when we do inner size number one, we calm so we can respond. Inner size number two, for example, is called AYA, awareness, intention, action. So imagine if every... 55 minutes, you just stop what you were doing and you ask yourself a question. After you do your first inner size to calm so you can respond, you ask yourself in a state of awareness, what have my thoughts been the last 55 minutes? What have my emotions been the last 55 minutes? What have my sensations and what have my behaviors been the last 55 minutes? And if you do this in a state of no judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification, just pure awareness... Now I can observe a pattern, right? And everything in life is around pattern recognition and adjustments of patterns. So if I'm aware that I've not been really act, uh, I've not been really productive, I've been active, or I've been messing around with some time. Um, so if in a state of awareness I could observe thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, behaviors without judging myself or blaming the pattern. And then I said, what's my intention for the next hour? Well, my intention is to be productive. My intention is to be happy. My intention is to be focused. My intention is to get one thing done. What's that one thing? And then I say, okay, the A in AYA is that action. If I could deliberately interrupt patterns, be aware of them, not judge them, and then deliberately move myself into a productive, empowering, constructive pattern. If I just did that every day, At the top of every hour, I'd have about 100 practices in a week. Within 10 weeks, I've developed a thousand pattern system in my brain that goes from conscious effort to a subconscious default mode network, which operates automatically. So now I could be in a heightened state of awareness most of the day. I could be intentional about what I'm doing. And I could be deliberately choosing an action step towards what I want to achieve. Well, if you did that 10 times a day, times five days, times four weeks, you can quickly imagine what that does to set up a habitual way of being as it relates to productivity versus activity, versus being in autopilot all the time, versus deliberately and consciously evolving yourself. That's the new science of neuroplasticity and what we can actually train our brain to do for us. And since we have the most powerful bio computer or organism in the known universe, everything I do is around teaching people how to use what they already own better, their brain.
0: I just want to mic drop that, John. That was incredible, man. Awareness, intention, action. So by the way, the first activity that you gave, what do you call it? The six?
1: Inner, yeah, it's uh, the first inner size is take six, calm the circuits. Take six, calm the circuit.
0: So I did that breath with you and felt that calming effect. And then the awareness, intention, action. I love that practice. And so these are just some examples of Neurogym. Now, I tried to go to Neurogym.com and it's some old man yeah. with... um. <laughs> yeah,
1: we uh I own the trademark for Neurogym. There's a company out of Ottawa that um uh owns Neurogym. So we have a working relationship. My, our website is myneurogym.com. Ah, beautiful. Okay, myneurogym.com. myneurogym.com. I had to settle for myneurogym.com and uh uh and still own the Neurogym trademark. <laughs> Got
0: it. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Ah, this is so good and I, I'm just I think that one of the things that was coming up for me as you were talking really for the last few points you've been making, the last 10 minutes or so, was that, in fact, it started when you were talking about our thoughts versus thinking. If we don't have the awareness, the knowledge of ways to think that you were describing, right? So as I'm listening to you, I'm going, well, if I'm someone that hasn't engaged in a lot of personal development, I don't even know these questions that you're asking, right? And so I think it's so important for anybody to listening, right? If you want to elevate your consciousness that I think that first and foremost does come through knowledge, because you can only elevate your consciousness to that which you are conscious of. Exactly. And so and that's, you know, your book inner size, I would imagine, right, is that's giving you all of this language, all of these tools, all of these strategies, so they become part of your thinking. So you can use them in the moment when you're faced with a challenge or, or a decision. And that way, you can guide your thinking in a way that is proactive and moves you forward.
1: Right, and the four layers that we all go through of learning or not is we could be in a state of what we call as unconscious incompetence, hmm. right? We don't know that we don't know. So we're like in the prison. We don't even know we're in the prison. Yeah, And then if we really say, you know what, what's going on? I want to like figure out some stuff, right? Then we go to conscious incompetence where we realize that I don't know a whole bunch of stuff and therefore I'm incompetent. Then if we want to get better, we move to conscious competence. And that is where we practice being better. And practice is not what makes perfect, right? Um, Perfect practice makes perfect. So it's not just important to do things. It's important to do the right things. It's important to learn the mental models to be able to empower us versus disempowering us. And so when we learn how to think when we learn how to manage our emotions when we learn how to change so that our change in our behaviors matches the vision and the goals that we have and we practice that then we become unconsciously competent that's when all of the neural patterns that we have create the behaviors that we want naturally so if you think about you know take a scenario of two people Um, You know, one person uh, has learned how to make a million dollars a year, and the other person wins a million dollars. And imagine after one year, they both lose the money. The person who won the million dollars has no idea what the patterns were to earn a million dollars. All they knew was to buy a lottery ticket, you know, won the million dollars. They don't have any other frame of reference uh, then, if I buy a lottery ticket, I might get lucky, I might win the million dollars. Take the person who built whatever he or she needed to build to earn the million dollars. They know the thinking, they know the trials, the tribulations, how to overcome uh, adversity, how to plan, how to fail, how to pick it back up, and chances are they'll do it again because the pattern already exists. So success leaves clues, as you know, and our patterns determine what we do or don't do. And so if you're not achieving the goal that you have, whether it's health, wealth, relationships, career, business, whatever it is, then is it possible that either you don't have the beliefs required to drive behavior? Is it possible that you may not have learned how to manage your emotions yet and that's what's preventing you from taking action? Is it possible that your self-image and the vision and goals that you have is mismatched and your self-image that you currently have is preventing you? And is it possible that you just don't have the knowledge and skills yet? Those are the only four things that will hold people back. Limiting beliefs, self-image, fears, or lack of knowledge and skill, all of which are solvable right now in this day and age it's the easiest, best, most amazing time to be alive because we've figured out all the how-to to eliminate all the obstacles in our lives right now. And the question is, are you interested or are you committed? Yeah. Right? If you're interested, you're going to do what's easy and convenient and you're going to keep doing the same things over and over again. But if you're committed, you'll do whatever it takes to figure out what the obstacle is and forge a path forward to eliminating the obstacle so you can have a clearer path towards your goals.
0: And it is an inner game, right? That's where it begins and ends. It all Uh, starts internally. You put out a video every Friday on YouTube for your NeuroGym community. And one of the things you've been talking about a lot since COVID, it's kind of been your theme uh, that I've picked up on, is adaptability. Mm, And so I wondered if you would, I'd love for you to talk about what do you mean by adaptability? What's the context as it relates to what's going on in the world right now, this uncertain, crazy time? And how do we embody that adaptability that you're talking
1: about? Sure. So a couple things is that we need to keep in mind, right? We have um, sensors in our brain um, that are activated based on a hierarchy of how our brain works. So number one is if there's anything in the physical world or anything we're thinking of doing, like maybe jumping out of the plane for a first time and parachuting, these sensors in our brain, you know, set the alarm bell off of danger, 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 danger. You might die. So when we have, you know, something like coronavirus, where you could die if you got it, um, then our anxiety centers and stress centers and fear centers on high, high, high alert. Um, When we've got... Um, uh, jobs being lost at unprecedented rates and businesses being closed at unprecedented rates. And the economy may be good. It may be uh, be bad depending on which political um, uh, 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 entity gets into the White House or stays into the White House. The changes in technology with AI, the changes in biology, the changes that are happening right now are creating a brain in stress because any type of change sets off this trigger. It's a cybernetic trigger in our brain. And so the question that we ask is, what is one of the things we know for sure about humans? And the answer is humans hate change. We, the only human that likes change is a wet baby. And so now that we are in this arena of massive, unprecedented. Um, uh, unprecedented uh, change, unprecedented risk, unprecedented uncertainty, unprecedented predict- unpredictability. Then our brains at high alert. And so, what do we have to learn or 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 activate more of? And that is, how do we adapt faster? How do we surrender to what is? accept and allow what is so we can get out of this reactive protective state into a calm responsive state where we can say, okay, what's happening out there? And we can assess, here's the risk. I get it. There is risk there, but we are not victims of the risk. We're victims of poor planning. Right, so what does every military leader do? What does every CEO do? What does every surgeon do? Right, there's risk in every one of those scenarios, but they think through what happens here, what could happen there, what could happen there, and then how do I shift, adapt? What am I going to do if everything goes the way I like, and what am I going to do if things don't go the way I like? How do I adapt? Is a Skill that you can develop, and you either resist and fight change, or you learn how to flow with it. So, uh, I recently have been learning how to surf, right? And you see people. I live in San Diego, and you see people getting hammered by the surf, and you see other people riding the surf. What's the difference? Intention and skill. Intention and skill. So, in these unprecedented time, is your focus on you being a victim of it? or you being victorious because of it? Is your focusing on why you can't because it's hard and unpredictable, or is your focus how I will because I must? And in great times of uncertainty, there's also phenomenal opportunities. Why? Well, guess what? 95% of the population is not skilled at adapting, is not skilled at seeing opportunity in crisis, is not skilled of preparation for all of the opportunity that will arise in the next six months, 12 months, 18 months, 36 months. But the person who is skilled, who has the knowledge, skills, and awareness can actually thrive in chaotic times. So adaptability is first and foremost a choice and secondly, a skill that you learn. So you either learn it you know, or you get crushed by it.
0: Is it safe to say that everything you've talked about today is what would enable someone to become more adaptable, right? Developing their mindset in a way where they can deal with adversity. They can manage change. They can take on challenges and turn them into opportunities because they've
1: conditioned their brain to be able to do all of the above. That's exactly right. And like I said, it's a skill that you learn. I want to I give people just um, a visual and an idea. Let's take the word stress. Okay, stress. What is stress? So we know in in the brain there's a stress circuit, right? So something triggers this stress circuit, right? And that stress circuit releases cortisol, epinephrine, and norepinephrine, the stress hormones. But, But it's a trigger. It's something that flips that switch. And the question is, what flips the switch of stress? Because what stresses you out, Hal, may not stress me out. And what stresses me out may not stress my sister or your mother out, right? So it's not the thing. And so let's play with this sentence. Stress happens when demand exceeds capacity. Mm. Stress happens when demand exceeds capacity. So if the demand of what's happening in the world right now exceeds your capacity, to mentally, emotionally, and physically deal with it, you're a mess right now. If you know how to think, if you know how to manage your emotions, if you know how to navigate through the uncertainty and unpredictability, then you're feeling calm right now like, holy shit, this is an incredible opportunity. The opportunity or the crisis is only in the eye of the beholder and the person is experiencing it based on their abilities and skills, their mental, emotional, and physical skills. So if I want to shift from stress to calmness, from fear to courage, I must shift my mindset first. I must learn how to manage my emotions next, and I must learn what to do. And if I do those things like a Navy SEAL does, like an astronaut does, like a firefighter does, like a CEO does that's been hit with a tsunami of things happening wrong, you need to learn how to navigate calmly instead of reacting stressfully. Beautiful.
0: Well, this is invaluable, John, and I want to go deeper with you. Anybody listening, where can people learn more about what you're talking about so they can put this into practice in their own life?
1: Sure. So, um, a couple of things. If anybody wants to pick up my newest book, Inner Size, or my New York Times bestselling book, Having It All, there's some killer content there. With Inner Size, I actually am giving people nine brain training audios for free as well, and there's a link in the book. Hmm. Um, if you want to follow my work and some of the brain training that we do, there's uh, uh, every Saturday. There's a eight hour training called the Brainathon. And uh, if people want to learn how to unlock their brain's hidden power so they achieve more financial freedom and the lifestyle of their dreams, um, go to brainathon123.com. And um, I've put together phenomenal training that also introduces people to our a brain training program called Winning the Game of Money. And then I'm on uh, Facebook. I'm on Instagram at, at John Asaraf. Uh, I'm on YouTube and trying to get better at social media like you are, Hal. <laughs>
0: Man, I'm, I'm trying to get better like blank is. I don't know about... <laughs> don't, don't let me be your standard. <laughs> awesome. Well, John, hey, man, this has uh, been a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, the time and the wisdom that you shared today.
1: Thank you, Hal. Great to be on your show. Cool.
0: All right. Goal Achievers, thank you for tuning in. Wow. I'm so excited and grateful for today's opportunity to connect with John and I'm going to go deeper. I'm on myneurogym.com right now. I'm going to Amazon store to pick up inner size. I'll probably get having all at all while I'm there too. And uh, head over to brainathon123.com as well. Goal Achievers, I love you. I appreciate you. And I will see y'all next week. Take care, everybody.